Thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at livinghopechicago.com. We hope that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. Matthew chapter number 17, what we're going to be reading in verse number 1. It says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringeth them in a high mountain apart, and he was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. Elias in this story, it's, it's Elijah. So from now on, we're just going to say Elijah. Uh, appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto the Lord, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face. They were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell this vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. I believe that modern Christianity has done a huge disservice to who Jesus is. A lot of people have have painted this picture of this, this happy hippie Jesus where he's never mad he's never sad he's just kind of dull and we've painted this picture of Jesus and I say we I'm talking about the modern church we've painted this picture of Jesus where there's nothing to be reverent about there's nothing to be in awe about but I want to tell you something this morning there is there is nothing that is terrifying about uh, about God's grace. There's nothing amazing about God's grace until we recognize His holiness and how He is. I love how the service has already started and all the songs that have been that played and sung, and it's all about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. And today, the sermon today is titled "Just Jesus." It's just Jesus, and I want to preach to you for a few minutes on that topic of. Just Jesus from verse number seven or verse number eight, they lifted up their eyes. They saw no man save Jesus only. Let's pray. God, we come to you this time, Lord. We thank you for another day of life. We thank you for your many blessings. We are so undeserving, but you continue to love us and bless us anyways. And we thank you so much for that. God, we pray that as we came to your house this morning, Lord, in some, it was a, it was a job just in order to get here, we thank you so much for, for their faithfulness, uh, for their perseverance to be here. Lord, but we pray that, that we didn't come just because it's Sunday morning and this is what we do, but we came expecting to hear from you, expecting to hear from the throne of God this morning. And I pray as I preach on the outside, you'll preach on the inside. God, empty me of self, cleanse me of sin, and fill me with your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 17, 1, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart. I want you guys just to think for a moment how often the Christian life seems to be mundane. It's just the normal stuff. 
We get up, we go to work, we come home. We get up, we go to work, we come home. And, and, I, and I think that it's in those moments that God is, is asking us, hey, are you going to be faithful to what I've called and I've given to you? Yeah, there's the main stuff, but are you going to be faithful in just the mundane? Because and I have a point here in chapter number 16. Before this, they were in Caesarea Philippi. They had just got done with Jesus telling them, hey, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be crucified. We know he told them over and over. They never believed him. He's warning them. And they travel six days later. They travel 22 miles to Mount Hermon. This is where a lot of scholars believe the Mount of Transfiguration took place here in Mount Hermon. It says it was a high mountain, and it was. It was 9,200 feet tall. They, they were on a mission. Listen, I don't know about you. There's a lot of pastors, a lot of people. Uh, you guys may know Pastor Logan Wolf in Utah. I think he's may have been here before. He loves hiking up these mountains. Pastor Daniel is, is pretty fit and loves running. I am not. I mean, that doesn't seem like any fun to say, Jesus, hey, let's go up this 9,200-foot mountain. Let's go up there. And, and you, you need to realize that he always took Peter, James, and John. It was those three. He had his 12 disciples, but these were the inner circle. It was these three. And he says, hey, let's go. And I wonder if they're thinking, I mean, really, come on again. And if you read the story, and if you read all the stories in the Bible, it's always late at night. Or it's always really early in the morning. He says, hey, let's go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, let's go pray. It's late at night. Hey, guys, let's go climb this mountain. And I wonder if they're thinking, I mean, really, Jesus, why? It's the mundane. It's the normal stuff. It's every day. Jesus is asking, hey, are you going to be faithful? And listen, maybe you have this mountaintop experience with God all the time. But I just don't see how that's possible. I mean, if it's true, you can pull me aside after church and let me know how it works. But for me, it seems like God gives you an experience with himself. And then sometimes it seems like the emotion is gone. Sometimes it seems like it's just the everyday stuff. And because we often we look at this, we look at scripture and we say and we look at Bible characters and we think, man, if I could just have that life, if I could just have that walk with God, man, life would be fantastic. But we need to realize how little of history is actually summed up in this. I mean, how small the picture really is, because in the Old Testament, only those that were called to a specific purpose, they were given the spirit of God. The rest of them weren't. It was not until Jesus came that those that surrendered their lives to him, those that gave their lives to him, they're the ones, we're the ones who are given the spirit of God. So Old Testament times, they're looking back at us. They're asking, what's it like? What's it like to have this intimate relationship with God? They don't understand it. They don't understand it. Jesus takes these three to a high mountain. says, let's go. And the reason why I think it's important to draw that out is because that was, that was a job. That was a task to do. It was always those three. Imagine, imagine if one of them had said, hey, my knee's hurting today. I don't want to go climb this high mountain. Hey, I'm really tired. I didn't get enough sleep. You guys just go on without me. Hey, I got some stuff to do today. I don't have time to go climb this high mountain. I don't know how long it took them at 9,200 feet high. I don't know how long that took. I think it was quite a while. But imagine if one of them would have said that. I'm not feeling well today. Just go on without me. They would have missed out on the miraculous because they gave up. And how many times us today... Miss out on the miraculous of God 
because we give up in the mundane, because we give up in the everyday, day-to-day life. We miss out oftentimes because we give up. I have four points today. Number one, we see the miraculous. The miraculous. Verse number two, he was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. Can you say whoa? Ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Whoa. Whoa. This is Jesus stretching. His face is shining like the sun. I mean, can, can you imagine this? We've made him into this, into this cool surfer dude with long flowing hair. But, but the Bible says that his, his face was shining like the sun. Imagine the conversation with Matthew later on down the road. Because we know in verse number 9, Jesus says, Don't tell anybody until the Son of Man has been crucified, risen from the dead. Don't tell anybody. So later on down the road, they're talking to Matthew one day. And they're saying, hey, uh, remember, hey, guys, remember that one time we were on Mount Hermon with Jesus? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Hey, guys, remember what his face looked like? And Matthew's thinking, what did it look like? I mean, it's Jesus. I mean, we know what his face looked like. What? No, no, on Mount Hermon, it was different. Well, what did it look like? It looked like the sun. I mean, his face was, was the sun. And Matthew's probably thinking, the sun, the sun of who? No, no, the actual sun. Anybody ever stare at the sun? If you have, maybe you need to get a hobby, get a life. <laughs> Listen, his face was, was shining like the sun. Can you imagine it being pitch dark? There's just this Jesus. I mean, you've gotten used to him. It's your buddy now. You've been with him for three and a half years. You, you've seen him heal some people. You've seen him raise some people from the dead. You've seen him hand out all this food to multitudes of people. Five loaves, two fish. That's fine. It's just Jesus. And all of a sudden, you look up at him, and his face is shining like the sun. You realize that Jesus is the one that created everything. Colossians 1.16 tells us that everything we see, everything we don't see, was created by him and for him. And that's the part that we don't really like because we want it to be about us. He created this for me. No, 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 no. He created us for him. It's all about him. It's all about his glory. The most important thing to Jesus is his glory. And he is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him is what I've read. John Piper throws that out there in one of his books. And so you, you say, hey, Elder, how can I glorify Jesus? Enjoy him. Enjoy him for who he is, for what he's done. Enjoy him. We were created for him. Realize that Jesus is the one that said, let there be light. And it exploded out of the mouth of God at 186,000 miles per second. That's the speed of light. How many of you guys would like to have been there? Hey, let me pull it up on YouTube, pull it up on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you got. Let's, nobody would, nobody's raised their hand because we'd probably be dead. If we were there, it's pitch black. God said, let there be light. Bam, there it is in our face and we're dead. 186,000 miles per second, that's the speed of light. And that's how God created it. Let there be light. There it is. You realize, church, that right now we are sitting on this rock that is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. We're sitting on this rock that is sitting on nothing and it's spinning 
at a thousand miles an hour. And then we're traveling around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. A thousand miles an hour. 66,000 miles an hour. And then our our, um, solar system is on the outside of the Milky Way galaxy. It's traveling around the nucleus of the Milky Way galaxy at 540,000 miles an hour. 1,000 miles an hour. 66,000 miles an hour. 540,000 miles an hour. And what makes us think that we're in charge of anything? I mean, we got nothing. God. I mean, it's all God. We can't make the earth spin. God, it's all God. We're just sitting on this ride. Do you feel it? Because if you feel it, they have medication for that. (laughs) Listen, we're just, we can't do anything. It's all about God. We're not in charge of anything. We're not the masters of our own life. We can't do anything. We have no rights. We, We have no right to anything. The only right we have is hell. That's the only right we got is hell. Because because what are we going to tell God? Do you remember that that we're the ones who broke it? Imagine that conversation. Adam and Eve in the garden wearing clothes that they made out of leaves. That's got to be comfortable. And here comes God saying, hey, Adam, where are you? Eve, what did you do? We broke it. Excuse me, what? What did you break? We broke the whole thing. There was the whole planet to play on. There was one tree. God told them not to touch it. Here's how some people think and how smart some people are. They say, well, why did God make the one tree? Because he can. He has the right to do whatever he wants when he's in charge. The whole planet was theirs. There was one tree they could nap. God said, don't touch that one tree. Everything else is yours. But they did and they do what you and I do. We go for the things that he says not to. We go for the things that are not good for us. They had everything. I don't have any rights. You say, all of life, my life just isn't fair. You don't want fair. Fair is hell. You don't want fair. Fair is Jesus never having to go to a cross to die for us. That's fair. We don't want fair. We want grace. We want God's grace upon our lives. That's all we want. That's the only reason, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we will recognize that the only reason you and I are alive today, February 10th, February 11th, 2018, is because of God's grace. That's the only reason you're alive. You say, no, no, Brother Oliver, I'm healthy. Yeah, right. And you, you might be. You might be somebody who's, 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 who's buff and, and who eats kale and, 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 and does yoga, and that's fine. But we're all still going to die. I don't know if you've read lately, but there's a statistic that 100% of us are going to die. I'm just enjoying the food a little bit more. Listen, the only reason we're alive is because of the grace of God. Think about it. You don't tell yourself to breathe. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Digest. Blink. Oh, you forgot your heartbeat. You're dead. The only reason we are alive is by the grace of God. I have no rights to anything. If I make it back to that pulpit, it's because of the grace of God. If I don't, you're never going to forget this church service. Anybody, how was church today? The preacher died. 
And I gave my life to God like eight times. Listen, there's no rights. It's because of God. It's because of his grace. We have no rights. He's amazing. It's just Jesus. Everything we do, everything that we see, it's just Jesus. He's the one that said, let there be light. And there was light. He's the one that exhaled and the sun popped out. Psalms 33, 6 tells us from the exhale of God comes all the starry host or the heavenly host. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the closest that we could come to the exhale of God is 93 million miles. 93 million miles. Any closer, we would die. Our Milky Way galaxy is filled with about 300 to 350 billion stars in it. If we took a trip from one end to the other, it would take us 120,000 light years. That means we would have to go 186,000 miles per second for 120,000 years to get to the end of it. Our Milky Way galaxy is only 300, it was only one of 300, of 350 billion galaxies in the known universe. Every one of those galaxies has anywhere from 300, 350 billion stars. And the Bible tells us that God, in the book of Isaiah, that God measures the universe by the span of his hand. Think about that the next time you try and tell him what to do. God, I need you to do this. And I need this right now. We have no rights. Number two, we see the miraculous. Number two, we see the meeting. The meeting. His face was shining like the sun, his raiment was white as light, and behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. As if it's not freaky enough, his face was shining like the sun, his clothes are all white. All of a sudden, you see this Jesus, and here pops Moses and Elijah to have a chat. I mean, these two heroes of the faith, Moses was probably the greatest leader that ever walked the planet. He led the people of Israel. Elijah, the dude didn't die. I mean, what a great exit out of life. You're just walking down the road with Elisha because Elisha's going to take over. And here comes this chariot from heaven. And you say, oh, that's for me. I mean, what a great exit out of life. You have Moses. You have Elijah chatting with Jesus. Moses is there to represent the law. Elijah is there to represent the prophets. The reason why I believe and a lot of scholars believe that Moses and Elijah were there was to indicate that Jesus was about to fulfill all the law and all the prophets. They're there, they're having a chat. Imagine being one of those three disciples. You and I probably would have done the same exact thing that Peter did. Verse number four. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let me make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And that makes sense, right? Because I'm sure Moses and Elijah left the glories of heaven to come live in a tabernacle built by Peter, James, and John. But do you know why Peter was saying all this? Because he was terrified. He was terrified. 
he's in a situation and you see it a lot when people are scared they just kind of ramble on about things and it doesn't really make sense and that's what Peter was doing I mean he sees Jesus' face he sees his clothes he sees Moses and Elijah he's freaking out he's saying hey God, uh, uh, I'll make you a tabernacle I'll make you a tabernacle Elijah do you want a garage for your chariot because I can do that too and he's just rambling on and it doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense verse 5 while he yet spake Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, stop right there. This should make you freak out. If you were there, probably make you want to wet yourself because a cloud starts to descend and then it's going to talk. So Jesus' face shined like the sun. Moses and Elijah are there. A cloud starts to descend upon them. And you may think, ah, it's no big deal. It's just a cloud. But do you know what what Peter is thinking in that moment and the rest of them? This is the presence of God. They knew. They were there. Because when, when, when Moses was leading the children of Israel, they would follow a cloud. When Moses would go into the tabernacle uh, to, to present a sacrifice, the Bible talks about a cloud would go above the tabernacle. The, 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 this wasn't just a, a, a flippant attitude about, uh, it's just the presence of God. No. I mean, Moses knew the importance of the cloud. He knew that it was the presence of God. So he's saying, hey, I'll build you a tabernacle, I'll build you a tabernacle. And then here comes this cloud and he's probably starts to starts to dig some holes trying not to die. I mean, it was a big deal. It was the it was the presence of God. We read in the Old Testament about the priest. He would go into the most holiest holies of temples. Uh, and, and, and as he was there, he would offer a sacrifice for the people. A cloud would descend upon it. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament is that cloud descended upon the tabernacle. If that priest was unholy in any way, he would die. There's accounts that they would tie a rope around his ankle with a little bell on. So if they stopped hearing it, they knew he was dead and they'd just pull him out. That cloud, that presence of God was very important. Very important. Peter knew that. He knew that. He's probably thinking, oh man, I've really done it now. We see number three, the mandate, the mandate, the cloud talked. The cloud talked. And the thing is, is that the cloud began talking while Peter was still talking. He says, I'll build you a tabernacle, I'll build you a tabernacle, I'll build you. And then it says, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. The father didn't wait for Peter to stop talking. He he wasn't really being polite. But I believe it was the most polite way he can say, Hey, Peter, you need to shut up for a moment. You need to be quiet. Because you see this, this man that you've gotten used to. You've seen his miracles, you've seen some cool tricks, but now you see that his face is shining like the sun, his clothes are all white. That's my boy, and I am well pleased with him. And he, he says, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Because I think maybe that's the example for us today, where God is saying, hey, Maybe you've gotten used to Jesus. 
You've gotten used to him in your life. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. It's just Jesus. And we come to church. This is what we do. We pray. This is what we do. But it's just Jesus. And maybe God's telling us today, hey, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You ever notice that when we pray, we're the ones that do all the talking. I mean, God already knows what we're going to say. Why do we talk so much? And here's the thing. Does he want you to pray? Yes, he wants you to pray. But the reason I say that is because maybe, just maybe, he wants to say something back. But we pray and we give God this wish list of things. And then we say, give me this and give me this. and I need this and help with this and help with this. Amen. And then we walk away. We give him no time to speak back to us. I think this is probably one of the greatest lessons we can learn from God where he says, hey, be quiet for a moment, Peter, and listen to my son. Listen to him. Be quiet and listen. Maybe that's the lesson for us today. Be quiet for a few moments and listen. You say, you say Oliver, I, I don't know what, what God wants me to do. I don't know what, what the plan of God is for my life. Get into this. Get into this. And you say, I, that's, I don't like to read, liar. Hey, did somebody read your text messages for you? Somebody go read your emails and your newspaper for you. Your phone goes off the ding and say, hey, read that. I don't like to read. No, no, you do like to read. You just look at this and you say, man, it's too thick. I can't, can't read all that. Think about this. It took God 1,500 years to create this letter, this book to us, to show us how much he loved us, to show us the things we should do, the things we shouldn't do. 1,500 years it took him to, to create that for us. In comparison, it took him six days to create everything, and we don't even understand creation. Six days. 1,500 years to create this, and we give him excuses as to why we won't be in it. We give him excuses as to why we won't be. You don't understand, Oliver, I'm really busy. I know. Because if if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So you can keep making excuses, or maybe you can turn the TV off. You, you, You can turn your phone off. You can delete some apps. And you can spend some time with God and get what he has for you. And understand the the, the life that he has planned for you. And and the depths of the relationship that he wants to go with you. All comes from this Bible. Comes from here. Comes from us. To have total reliance upon him. Total brokenness. I I mean, it's about time that we admit, hey, we're no good. I mean, we're the age of uh, 2018 where everything is about us. And and look at me and look at how good I am and look at all what I got. Listen, the truth of the matter is, is that we are no good without God. No good without him. It's all about him. It's all about him. There's no such thing as good and bad people. There's only bad people and Jesus. And it's about time that we start saying, God, I'm broken. I need you. I have total reliance upon you. You're everything. You're all I want. It's all about you. Listen, while we were 
We were self-declared enemies of God. We were rebellious. He sent his son to come and die for us, to cover our sins, to redeem us, to buy us back so that we could enter into a relationship with him. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you and because it brings him glory. Verse, or number four, I'm sorry. Number four, we see the master. The master. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face. They were so afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. Be not afraid. That's great advice, right? Hey, don't be afraid. Hey, how many of you guys have ever been scared? You've been freaked out. Somebody comes up to you and say, hey, hey, what's going on? You say, man, I'm just really scared right now. I'm really freaked out right now. And they say, hey, don't worry about it. Whoa, I mean, that's like the greatest advice. Here's, give me a pin. Can you say that again? Don't worry about it. Man, that's the greatest advice. That's what Jesus says. Why? Because the things we're scared of, he's not. The things we're intimidated by, he has no idea what that even is. He's not scared of anything. He's not intimidated by anything. So that's why he can come and he can say, hey, be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's not intimidated by anything. He's not scared of anything. And you ever notice that, that when you are so close to God and your relationship is clicking on all cylinders, everything is great. You, you, you and God are in tune. How bold you are. How bold you are in those moments. Why? Because I, I'm, I'm close to the God of the universe. He, he measures the world with the span of his hand. He's in charge. I'm not scared of anything. Listen, I believe in the devil and, and, his, and his demons. I believe in spiritual attack. But I also believe that there could be a million demons outside this church. But me and Jesus, we're always the majority. Always the majority because of me. No, no, I'm nothing without him. It's because of him. It's because of him. Listen, stick close to God. Stick close to him. And when you do, you won't be afraid. Verse number eight, they lifted up their eyes. They saw no man save Jesus only. This is what I want to, main point I want to preach to you today. They lifted up their eyes. They saw no man save Jesus only. I want to ask you a question. Is that enough? Is that enough? It's just Jesus. Is that enough? The show was over. Jesus' face had gone back to normal. His clothes had gone back to normal. Moses and Elijah took off in Elijah's chariot. It doesn't say that, but that would be pretty sweet. They were gone. Jesus comes. He taps you on the shoulder because you probably dug your face in the sand. He says, hey, don't be afraid. You look up. And it's just Jesus, regular old Jesus. Is that enough? Is that enough for you if it's just Jesus? There's a Chris Tomlin song called uh, Enough. It talks about more than you, or all of you is more than enough. But I'm afraid that a lot of Christians today have added something to that. All of you is more than enough. Plus, let me get this. Let me get that. Think about it. We have a relationship with the God of the universe. And we're just worried about some stuff. The best way I can illustrate that is Bill Gates. Bill Gates is worth 60-something billion dollars. Billion with a B. 
If Bill Gates was walking outside this sidewalk this morning and he saw a $1,000 bill, a $1,000 bill, if I saw a $1,000 bill, I would push a little old lady out of the way to get that $1,000 bill. Don't judge me. But Bill Gates, the three or five seconds it would take him to bend down and pick up that $1,000 bill would be wasting his time because he makes more in five seconds than $1,000. Bill Gates is going to be the speaker next Sunday at Living Hope Church. And he comes to Living Hope Church and he starts to speak and he says, hey, guys, I, I, I thought I had everything. I mean, I was worth 60 something billion dollars and my, I thought my life was completed and I had everything I could ever want and, and everything until I saw this chair right here. And I saw this chair and I thought, man, if I could just have that chair, my life would be complete. Sixty-something billion dollars, I had everything until I sold this chair and I thought, I have to have this chair. This chair will make my life complete. You're going to think two things. Number one, you're going to think Bill Gates has smoked some really good drugs before he came to church today. And you're also going to think, buy the stinking chair. Buy the whole company. Buy every chair you want. How dumb do we sound when we say, We have a relationship with the God of the universe, the creator of this world. We have a relationship. But my life is not complete until I have this. And you put this, you put whatever you want in that. Had a little more money. Had this car, this house, anything. I have God. But my life isn't complete until I have this. About seven years ago, I was about the stuff. Give me the stuff. Uh, Think about heaven. Think about all the glories of heaven. uh, The the streets of gold, the pearly gates. John tells us we're going to get a mansion in his house. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, it's going to be great. I'm going to be able to get buff on biscuits and gravy. I mean, anything you want, you can have it. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. There's going to be no more pain, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more doctors, no more suffering, no more crying. I mean, heaven is going to be fantastic. But if Jesus wasn't there, would you be okay? And about seven years ago, I was in ministry. I was preaching at the time. I thought, maybe he's busy. Just give me the stuff. Just give me, maybe he's busy. It's fine. I mean, heaven. You're going to meet everybody you've ever wanted to meet. Paul and Peter and Esther. And everybody's going to be there. It's going to be fantastic. But if Jesus wasn't there, would you be okay? About seven years ago, I would have said, sure. I'm good. I mean, give me the stuff. Give me the stuff. Today? No. Now, God has done a work in my life, and it's not about me. I'm I'm no good without him. I'm not boasting, but he's done a work in my life. And if it was between all the glories of heaven without Jesus, now, give me a small room, two chairs, a light that hangs from the ceiling, and Jesus on the other side. I love him. I adore him. All the other stuff, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. It's just Jesus. Is that 
enough? Is Jesus enough? The picture that we've painted in the American church is this fluffy, fluffy, uh, soft man who, who doesn't really deserve much praise and much honor because a lot of people say, uh, I don't want to worship Jesus because I can't understand him. Listen, friends, you don't want to worship Jesus if you did understand him. I don't want him to be as smart or as dumb as I am. I don't want to be able to figure him out. I want the God that I serve to be like, ah, I don't understand how he did it. I don't understand how he came through. I don't understand how he did this. And the thing is, is that he's lived out the day. You don't have anything to worry about. He's lived out the rest of your life. You have nothing to worry about. But are you putting all of your faith and all of your trust in him? Have you surrendered to him? Because when you do, I promise you, the Bible talks about the songs we sing is he cannot fail. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. If he has to drag you across the finish line, he will. And I'm not talking about he's going to make you live for him because he'll never do that. He will never make you. But there's going to be some bumps along the road. There's going to be some bruises. The devil's going to beat you up. He's going to knock you down. But God will never leave you. God will never fail you. He's never going to forsake you. But it's our job, the balls in our court, to decide if we are going to surrender our lives to him. If we're going to do that, and like I said, the devil is not going to like it. He's going to fight tooth and nail. But God will never fail you. He will never forsake you. I don't know if we're going to have a song this morning, but I would like you to bow your heads, stand to your feet if you can. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and think about that for just a moment. That is Jesus enough? Is He enough? All the other stuff? I mean, are, 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 you, are you worried about all the stuff? Or are, you, are you focused on all the emotions that come along with it? Are you focused on other people and pleasing other people? Or are you focused on Jesus? Because I'll tell you this, friends. He loves you. He loves you. And sometimes I struggle with that, 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 that he loves me because I know who I am. I, I, know, I know my faults and my shortcomings. And I struggle that Jesus loves me. But when I struggle that he loves me, I go into this and I get affirmation and confirmation Regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you are, or where you come from, God loves you. He loves you. He's always going to love you. But again, it's our job and our duty to love him back, to surrender our lives to him. And when we do that, that's when the Christian life begins. And that's when, when really life begins. We get to experience what God has for us. We get to experience this intimate relationship with him that no other relationship can equal. If you committed your life to Jesus Christ or made a spiritual decision, we would like to rejoice with you. Please connect with us on our website, livinghopechicago.com. We hope you'll join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.